If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxadeo Fichard Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. Friends, we are in the last week of our series on salvation. This has been an incredible journey for us as a church. And we're speaking on this thing of new life in Christ. When He comes to take your life from the pits, give you new life, transform your whole being, and you are now becoming just like Him in that very sense. And the first week we've spoken about the thing of, spoken about the thing of being assured that we are saved. A Christian can be sure of salvation. It's not a roller coaster ride. One day I'm saved, the next day I'm not. One day I'm saved. If you are in Christ, it's a done deal. Then uh, we spoke on baptism. Last week we spoke on this thing of what does it mean when we are continuously saved? Every day, the process of sanctification where God comes and He restores this image of Himself in us. We become what we are already in Him. And tonight we're going to speak on this thing of I will be saved in eternity. So just from the get-go, if you... Who of you remember like a difficult sermon in Doxa where you walked out of here and were like, Ugh, that was a bit of hard news. Can anyone just relate with me? There was a few difficult sermons this year. This one is not one of those. It's August. We need good news, people. We've been through the winter. This, I want to say, is a feel-good sermon. Hallelujah. I just want to clarify it from the beginning. This is a feel-good sermon. It's only good news if you are in Jesus tonight. You seem excited, but not that excited. I expected more. Maybe I should ask us. Say, fantastic. So let me start by asking you this question. Is there anyone in the room this year who ran the comrades and finished? Great AJ? Was it an online game? Comrades. <laughs> Anyone? Anyone who, who, who did it in the past? Anyone? Oof. Anyone who is going to do it in the future? Nice, 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 nice. It's really not helping, but yes, great. I think we should up on our physical uh, fitness in this church. Really. Where are the gymmers? John, you have to help us here, man. <laughs> so we're always, we're excited about people finishing comrades, and especially the one that's actually uphill. Uh, there's actually one that next, no, not next year, the year after that, it's going to be a bit easier if you want to enroll. Um, I will cheer you on and pray for you. And uh, confession, I don't like long distance things. Um, except for driving to the ocean. Um, I can exhort all of my energy from here to that heater. I don't do long distance running. Anyone who's into long distance running, all right, fantastic. I salute you guys. I need to actually do it, but I, I, I don't get to it very often, all right. But um, I want to start out like this. Do you know who were who the people that ended last in this year's comrades? You don't know. Uh, because we don't celebrate them. We don't talk about them. But I've brought a picture with. 
Mrs. Sapiwe Dudla and Mr. J.P. Sneiman. In 12 hours this year, they finished the comrades. And you're saying, okay, why are you telling me this? Like, show me the winner. No, I'm telling you this because you didn't. You didn't finish. She did in 12 hours. Okay, that's a sad joke. Okay. Uh, <laughs> here's the thing. With the last few kilometers of the race, Sipiwe got severe back pain and she wanted to quit. Mr. JP came next to her and he ran with her the last 20 k's of this race. He supported her, he encouraged her, and she finished. My friend, with regards to your life in Christ, your discipleship and the Christian life that you're living, how many times have you maybe come to the place where you say, is this really worth it? Like, it seems like, and David also in many of his Psalms explained this reality, it seems like the people who's not on this journey of faith in Jesus is actually doing better than me. They're flourishing. Is this really worth it? And the second question is, if this is worth it, it's really not fun at the moment. And am I actually going to finish this race of faith in Christ? Will I reach the end goal? Will I actually make it to heaven? You feel like Sipiwe. And tonight, I'm going to give you, like I said, only good news. Are you ready? Are you ready for it? Fantastic. Let's read together Philippians 1. Please open your Bible to Philippians 1 verse 6. And let's start like this. Paul is saying the following. He says, being confident of this. I love the word confident. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen, disciple, he who called you out of darkness, he who brought you closer with his love, he who saved you, gave you a new name, you were born again, not by your own doing, not because of you, you had good works to show, not because you qualified. It was a gift of grace. You received it at salvation. Jesus, who started that process in your life, He will finish it. Not you. He will finish it until the day that He comes back again. This process in the middle, we've spoken about that. That's where we are now. But he will finish it. If I ask you, would you consider enrolling for the comrades next year? But there's a promise, you will finish it. <laughs> I mean, training, <laughs> you know. Because there's hope, there's confidence. You will finish it. 
I love this word and we haven't spoken about this word salvation in this series. So tonight I thought, let's maybe unpack this word from the Bible. The word soteria. It's the Greek word for salvation. Soteria means the following. It's got two meanings. The first meaning is this, to save someone from danger and bring them to a place of safety again. And I mean, we all understand that with regards to salvation. Christ has come he saved us from the danger of sin and death and He brought us into the safety of His grace and His love for us, all right? But there's a second meaning in the word soteria. It's to be made whole again, to heal, to become the fullness of who you were created to be, to put back together. It speaks about wholeness, soul, body, and spirit. So whenever you read this word salvation, it entails everything. You have been saved from sin. You are now in a safe space of being in Christ. But also he is busy with a process of renewal in your life. That one day will find its completion when he returns. So in Doxa, we don't speak about the end times very often. We don't speak about the second coming and heaven because sometimes I think Christians can get stuck on those things and actually lose the mission of what God has placed us here for. So tonight we're actually going to speak on eternity, heaven, and what will happen when you lay down your head on this earth. Three realities that will happen. Three specific things that you will experience when Christ will return, soteria, that final salvation. And we have this hope because of the promise of his word. He's gonna do it. Are you ready? First reality for you and for me, if you are in Christ tonight, is you will receive a new body. Okay, now it's dead silent in the room. This morning when I preached it to the older people, they started Praising Jesus. <laughs> Arthritis gone. <laughs> Rimples gone. Let's read together. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 50. Paul says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep and his sleep speaking about death, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. Paul is saying that this earthly body that you have, unfortunately, cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. So this body of yours will one day, like a seed in the ground, go down. <laughs> like, uh, that's, you said we're only speaking about good news. What is this now? No, my friend, this is not this neutral news. It's going to happen. It's not good or bad. All right. But sometimes I think, so the Bible speaks here that this earthly body 
will die and a new body will be resurrected, a glorified body. What does that entail? What does it look like? I think sometimes we have this very interesting idea that, and maybe you grew up with this kind of idea that we will be like these weird spirit things floating around in holy fog and, and clouds one day. <laughs> On many funerals, we hear these things like, God has come and he picked his best flower and planted it now in the garden of heaven. Thank God I'm not a petunia. Like, or you would hear something like, God came and he, he took his best angel and, you know, thank God I'm not an angel. And uh, I, I'm not going to tell you the reason now. The thing is, you're going to be resurrected with a glorified body. What does that mean? The Bible speaks about it's going to be imperishable. It's going to be, you will be clothed with immortality. So this earthly body obviously gets sick. You experience pain and decay. If, who's 25 here? Anyone? 25? Um, okay. Guys, this is your best year. Take photos. Enjoy the moment. From year on forward, it's downhill. Scientifically, scientifically proven, men are at their best when they're 25. Boys, I didn't look good at 25. I just want to say, I'll show you pictures. But here's the thing. This body, your teeth will fall out. Your hairline. If you're a white Afrikaans male, your hairline. It's going to get ugly. <laughs> but here's the thing. The Bible says, you're going to be raised imperishable. Patrick is happy about that. <laughs> My brother, you have no idea. I'm also really glad. What does it mean, imperishable? The only example that I could think of, sorry, and I'm usually better at examples in sermons, but it was this, a coutin. <laughs> when they ask you to bring imperishable food for an outreach or something, they don't ask you to bring bread or meat, they ask you to bring these things that are safe, they're not exposed to oxygen and germs and stuff. They don't go bad. All right? That's the, that's the concept. This body that you will receive will not experience pain, sickness, decay. No more acne. 
No more ingrown toenails. But that's sort of the point. It's going to be a spiritual body, the Bible says. And it seems like we will be able to recognize one another because the disciples recognized Jesus when he rose from the grave. But the amazing thing that you have to understand about this glorified body is it's going to be imperishable, immortal, but it will be everything that is needed for you to in eternity give glory and thanks and honor and worship to Jesus. No limitations, no decay. Your body will be able to function in the presence of God at its fullness. Now you can say glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Will you have a six pack? Back? I don't know. I pray that we would. Next thing. So, resurrected body. Second thing, a whole soul. You see, what happened to every one of us on this earth is that sin, trauma, pain, your experience, whatever you went through, your upbringing, whatever, did some damage to your soul. Your, and when we speak about soul, we're speaking about your will, intellect, emotions. You have some serious damage within your soul. You've been exposed to so many things. You were rejected maybe at some time. You experienced very traumatic moments, emotions. Your soul is not in a good space. But when salvation started in Christ, a process of renewal started and in the end, it will finally be everything that God created it to be, a whole soul. Listen to what Paul is writing to the letter of 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23 to 24 in the message paraphrase. Eugene Peterson put it so beautifully. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. Imagine a life where your soul is restored, your will. Imagine your will being in perfect alignment with the will of God. How many Christians struggle, feel guilty, have fear that they are not in the will of God? Imagine your will not being able to not be in the will of God. Your intellect. Imagine your life with only in your core belief system, truth. Not exposed to, to earthly lies, to satanic influence, to worldly patterns, but the only thing in your intellect is truth, God's truth. Imagine in your emotions, no more sorrow, 
No more feeling rejected, overlooked, angry. You can name it. Your soul full of joy. Feeling what God is feeling about you. You don't have to filter. Is it my feeling now? Is it the enemy? Is it God that actually gave me this feeling? It's only God. You're feeling what he's feeling. A whole soul. And you know what the best part of it is? Not only is God busy with this process of renewal of your soul, but he's also in eternity going to take away the things that are damaging to the soul. Pain. Trauma, sin. Listen to this. At the cross of Jesus Christ, the penalty, the payment of sin was dealt with. At his resurrection, the power of sin in a person's life was conquered. No longer are you a slave to sin if you are in Christ. You can still sin, you can choose to sin, but you're not a slave, you don't have to. The power of sin is broken at the resurrection. But listen to this. In eternity, the presence of sin will be removed. You won't have the capacity to sin. There will not be such a thing as temptation pulling you away from God's best. You won't be enticed by the deceitfulness of Satan and sin. You won't have the capacity to sin. Imagine your life like that. A whole soul. Last thing, a reunited spirit. You see in the Garden of Eden, God's spirit and man's spirit was separated by sin. In salvation, God started the process because of the death and resurrection of His Son. He made you capable of receiving his spirit. And now it's a process of reuniting with the spirit of God. That's why when Jesus breathed out his last breath and Stephen, the first martyr in the church, when they breathed out their last breath, what was the words that they said? Into your hands I commit my spirit. It's going back to where it belongs. It's reunited again in unity with the God who created you. Perfect intimacy. Perfect relationship. Your spirit. How many times have you struggled in your room alone to hear His voice? How many times have you felt guilty and ashamed and it's like a spiritual failure because you don't experience God. It's as if your soul, your spirit is not responsive to Him. Can you imagine a life, an eternity where your spirit is constantly responsive and connected to God's spirit? Christian, that is what awaits you in eternity. So how does that help us now, you know, to know these truths? It's promises out of His Word. How does that help me now? First thing is this. As a Christian, you don't have to fear death. 
you can have assurance of eternal life. If you are in Christ, the only thing that is in your future is life. Eternal life. Not only the quantity, but the quality. It's God life that awaits you. Listen to 1 John 5 verse 13. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. What awaits you, my friend, is life. David writes in Psalm 16, he says, in your presence, God, there are fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. What does that mean? Fullness of joy. In other words, you can't add a little sprinkle of joy. You are too capacity with joy. Fullness of joy. Pleasure forevermore. There's no end to it. You see, my friend, the pleasures and joy that we experience on earth is it's very short-lived and it's these glimpses and tastes of pleasure and joy. In eternity, it's fullness of joy, pleasure forevermore. That is eternal life in Christ. How does it help me now? You don't have to fear death. You can look forward to life. Second thing, it makes me persevere in the faith to know this. 2 Corinthians 4, Paul writes, verse 16, Therefore do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And this, and this very, very important verse, For this light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. The ESV says, this light and momentary affliction prepares for us an eternal weight of glory. My friend, your suffering, your pain, your struggles, your problems are temporary. There will be an end to it. It's not going to be like this forever. But also, remember this. Your struggles, your pain, your suffering is part of the process of salvation. God is accomplishing something with every trouble, suffering, pain that you are experiencing right now. Does it come from Him? I'm not going to go so far to say that. Does He use it in your life? Is He accomplishing something with it? Yes an eternal weight of glory. Last thing, no fear of death, first one. Second thing is persevere, don't lose heart. Last thing is save nothing for the next life. We have a guy here in our church, he works for Avbop, the people that put people in the ground. I don't know, my English is... Very limited right now. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. Funeral services. We do a lot of funerals at this church. 
Not in the evening service, luckily. But I've never seen a trailer with all the belongings and all the accomplishments and all the riches of a person who just went to heaven. Never. You take nothing with. Nothing. It's only people that will join you. Paul says to Timothy 4, he says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. The time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. What are you giving your life to? I've read this very famous story of John Piper where he says in his book, Don't Waste Your Life. If you ever want to read a good book, read that. Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. It's free on his website. He, he tells this story and he says, as people living the dream life, some of us, our main goal is just to get the best job, to drive the best car, to work 45 years and then after you're very tired, you buy a small holiday home in Mossel Bay. Well, that's not in his book. That's my paraphrase. And you and your wife, for the last how many years you have left, can wake up every morning, bacon and eggs, drink your orange juice, and go for a walk on the beach and collect shells. For some of us, that is what we dream to have. And then he goes further. He says, now this couple comes to heaven. What do they have to show? Shells. What a wasted life. What a wasted life. Yes, the Bible says, Joy forevermore, pleasures forevermore, fullness of joy. But Paul is saying there will be some people who come to the gates of heaven with empty buckets ready to receive it. They have held nothing for the next life. They have poured out their lives in this life to the mission of Jesus. They've given what they have. They have spent this very small amount of time in eternity to glorify their Savior. They come with empty buckets. Am I saying you're not supposed to drive that car? No, enjoy it. But remember, give your life for something better than a BMW. Give your life to the God who made you. Spend your hours, spend your energy, not only on yourself, not only on your dreams, but live for that eternal weight of glory now. Don't get caught up in the selfish, self-absorbing life. You will get to the end of your life on that deathbed 
and think, what have I done? My life counts for nothing. Don't let that be your story. Choose the life of glory. Whoa, that just rhymed. Whoa, that must be in the spirit. Hallelujah. <laughs> I want to ask the worship team to join me. We're going to respond and we've prepared communion tables all over the place. We want to end this series just on this note. And the beautiful thing about communion is this. It brings the past, the present and the future in one moment together. We celebrate the fact that Jesus died. He paid the price. He was resurrected. And when you drink the juice and you eat the bread now, you are celebrating the fact that He's renewing you now. He's, you are being saved. But we also, when we take of the cup and the bread, celebrating the wedding feast of the Lamb in eternity, we will be united with Him. We will have a new body, a whole soul, a reunited spirit. So I want to invite you tonight. Don't just take communion. Come and celebrate the fullness of His salvation over your life. And if you are at the place where you haven't made that decision, where you haven't come to the realization that God is coming after you, you don't have to impress Him. You don't have to do good works. You can only come and say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. I surrender. I fall into your hands. I believe in you, Jesus. Maybe this is your evening. Well, you need to come and say, Lord, save me. And then come and celebrate your salvation. What he has started, he will bring to completion. Let's stand up and pray together. Lord Jesus, as a church family tonight, we just want to glory in your finished work. We want to worship you, Lord. We want to glorify you, Jesus. God, as we listen to these promises from your word, God, there's so much excitement in our hearts for your redemption plan over many decades and what is still to come. God, we are looking forward to an eternity with you. But also, Lord, in this life, we want to be drink offerings being poured out to your mission to make you known in this world. So as we celebrate communion, God, I pray that you come and pour out your spirit afresh on us. The spirit of thanksgiving and praise and gratitude for the salvation that we have received. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.